0: Proverbs 1 verse 5 to 6 reads, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today, I review Proverbs Wisdom That Works by Ray Otlet. This volume is part of the Preaching the Word commentary series edited by R. Kent Hughes. 224 pages published by Crossway in March 2012. It is available for $24.99 via Amazon Kindle or you can get it for free from Logos in October. That's right, you can get it for free from Logos, free book of the month. The author for this book is Raymond C. Ortland Jr. He is currently in his 70s, having spent most of his life as a pastor and served for a season as Professor of Old Testament and Semitic Languages at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He has written several books, most recently, The Death of Porn, Man of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility, which I reviewed and recommended in episode 25. Writing must be in the Oatland gene. His father and his sons have written so many books. I have Dane Oatland's Gentle and Lowly in my Kindle. I have read Gavin Oatland's Finding the Right Hills to Die On, which you can listen to my review in episode 34. I haven't counted, but I think it's possible to find a hundred books written from the Oatland household. But more noteworthy and praiseworthy than the amount of ink they have spilt, is their faith. Ray Oatland, who is in his 70s, is still going strong in the faith. He is a pastor to pastors. His parents have finished well, and his children are going strong as well. If only we could tap on what has worked so well in the Oatland household. What wisdom can uh, Ray Oatland share with us? And as we will see in today's episode, Oatland would say, Any wisdom he has is not his, but God's, and it is available to all, if only we would seek it. So let us seek it. Let us open today's book, Proverbs, Wisdom That Works, by Raymond Ortland. Proverbs, the book in the Bible, is a difficult book to outline. Compare it to Genesis. A child could pick out the stories of Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and put them as self-contained stories. Or compare it to uh, Romans, an attentive reader could outline Romans as a series of logical arguments. But Proverbs, this book of short sayings, um, does not seem to have any pattern, the the, the sayings seem to be placed randomly. They are not grouped into any discernible topic. But have no fear. Ortlund is here to guide us. First, he shows us that chapter 1 is where we read God's purpose for this book. Proverbs 1 verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. He explains that chapters 1 to 9 is, I quote, a series of poems selling wisdom to us, motivating us to get into the book and receive its teaching with an eager heart. And if you understand what chapters 1 to 9 is saying, then when you turn the page to Proverbs 10 verse 1 and read the Proverbs of Solomon, which kickstarts the collection of Proverbs from Solomon, then later Agur, uh, King Lemuel and other unnamed wise men. And all this culminates in Proverbs 31, the wisdom of a godly woman. In writing a commentary on Proverbs, there are two approaches. Ortlund could have commented chapter by chapter, verse by verse, or he could group the Proverbs into key themes. And in his wisdom, Ortlund chose to do both. Ortlund's commentary has 21 chapters. The first 14 chapters is a slow and steady exposition of the first 9 chapters of Proverbs. He dedicates 3 chapters on Proverbs 1, which is laying down the foundation for the rest of the book. And later, he also dedicates 3 chapters on Proverbs 3, which is an integral part of the book. You may wonder why autumn takes so much time to unpack what may seem obvious. Of course, wisdom is important. Mm, But just look around you. Do you see more fools or wise sages in the world? Is the world suffering from an oversupply of wisdom? Wisdom calls out, but no one heeds her. After we understand what is wisdom, only then does Oatland give us samples of what wisdom offers. He does this with seven topics in seven chapters. Chapter 15 is on the tongue. Then the next chapter is on humility, then family, emotions, friendship, money. And the last chapter, chapter 21, is on life and death. The book then ends with a scripture index, general index and a helpful index of sermon illustrations. I have told you that this book is available for free from Logos and only in October, but I have not told you that I have in my hand right now a physical hard copy of this book. I bought this book 10 years ago when it first came out. So this is my second time finishing this book. Now, this is a rare opportunity for me to do a long-term review of a book, especially one 10 years later. So, 10 years after the first reading, how has this book influenced me? To be honest, I don't remember much of it. I remember thinking that this was a good book and that it made a lot of sense. Now, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement of this book. Now, after finishing this book for the second time, uh, I have to say that this is a great book and it makes so much sense. (laughs) You know how it is that you don't appreciate good advice until after you messed up? Wise people tell us, don't go into debt and we only see the wisdom of it after we have gotten out of terrible debt. Then you look back and you write a post with the title, 10 Things I Wish I Knew When I Was 20 Years Old Well, 10 years ago, I was a young Christian, and I didn't have as many decisions to make compared to now, and the children were still young and quote-unquote easily manageable because diapers are much easier than discipline. And uh, at that time, I hadn't seen the dark underbelly of the church. (laughs) I really shouldn't say that. My church is not a bad one. The people are indeed a blessing. It's just that as a young Christian, and uh, this is true for you as well, uh, if you're still young in the faith, I had to grow to understand that Christians are simultaneously saints and sinners. And I, and I confess here that I didn't and I don't always handle the interpersonal relationship problems well. Um, for my case, anger is an issue, one which I didn't fully appreciate, was a problem in my heart then. So 10 years ago, ten years ago, when I read Ortlund's chapter on emotions, specifically on anger, now let me read this for you. I quote, Conquering a city is child's play, compared with ruling the turbulent, demanding, upset world inside us. The one is only the battle of a day. The other is the conflict of a lifetime, end quote. Now, in those days, in those days long past, I read that and I nodded my head. Of course this is true. Yes, sure, I agree with this 100%. Now, 10 years later, I read the same passage and I recognize this. I know this. I have lived through this. I mean, you have conflict within the family, in the workplace, in the church, and even oftentimes, even within, with myself. So, it's like how war veterans see war movies differently from the rest of us. They see the movie and they can tell us what is real and what is Hollywood. And they often uh, experience viscerally. they experience once again, what it was like to be in the battlefield. And so, in a somewhat similar way, after I have lived life a little more—only ten years—I have come to recognize folly and wisdom. Not the theoretical, uh, not the theoretical in the sense you know. We, we agree that anger is not good and you should be more calm. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but it's the having lived through those moments where we have experienced anger, and I have tried to control. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lost. And so that is the hard reality of living life as a Christian. And I have grown, I mean, putting aside my own personal struggles with anger, I've also grown, sadly, to know others I have known people who have wrecked their lives with alcohol, adultery, drugs, making very poor life decisions, which if I had only one word to describe what they all had in common, it would be folly, foolishness, a lack of wisdom. And may the good Lord protect me from the folly of my ways." Because these are people that I know, but it's just that 10 years ago, we don't see uh, the effects of the poor decisions, and now we do. So in terms of a long-term review of this book, what is amazing is how little I cared for about what is uh, written here at that time. And it's not that I disagree, I like the book, I agreed with the book, but it did not resonate as much then as it does now. Again, uh, for those of you who enjoy reading 10 uh, things I wish I knew when I was 20 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old, you can not read those posts. You, should, you might as well just read this book because it, ha- it does offer a great amount of wisdom. Because another way to look at this book, the Auckland Commentary on, on Proverbs, is that it's the only self-help, self-improvement book that you ever need. Consider the 7 topics Otland has, the tongue, humility, family, emotions, friendship, money, life and death. You have psychologists, counsellors, book publishers, gurus, social media influencers, family therapists, sex therapists, life coaches, the list goes on. Their existence and proliferation just demonstrates how utterly useless we are in handling the tongue, humility, family, emotions, friendship, money, life, and death. If you want to make friends, do you read How to Make Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie? Or do you read Proverbs Wisdom That Works by Ray Ortlund? Now don't get me wrong, Dale Carnegie's book is helpful, but does it offer the wisdom of the world or the wisdom divine? And this is why the first 14 chapters of Ortland's commentary is so important. What is wisdom? You have a long line of people knocking on your door offering wisdom. But what is it? So repeat after me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Sure, you can memorize that verse, you can repeat it, but do you embrace it? Does that fear of the Lord, that beginning of wisdom, grip you? Ortlund writes, I quote, Biblical wisdom is more than what we find in a fortune cookie. It is more than an optional add-on for people who want to upgrade their lives from, say, 4 to 7 on a scale of 1 to 10. This wisdom from Christ is a matter of life and death, end quote. Life and death, that is what is at stake. Later, Orton writes, I quote, If we have love but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best of intentions. If we have courage but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have truth but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. If we have revival but not wisdom, we will use the power of God to throw the church into reverse gear. End quote. After Oatland convinces the reader on the source and importance of wisdom, and we should not take for granted that everybody understands, or recognizes what is wisdom. Only after we understand all these things, he presents the seven topics. And I'm not saying that these seven chapters uh, on these seven topics are the final word. By all means, read Dale Carnegie. Read whatever the world's experts on marriage, on family, and so on, uh, or what other Christian writers offer, books and books of them. But the important thing here is that read them knowing what is wisdom. What does it mean when we say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? And for that, you have to read this book. And there is so much that can be written on these topics that we all uh, fail in. And Altman knows that. That's why he, he wrote the whole book on pornography, Death of Porn. Now, just a quick aside, okay, this is just a quick aside. I've only read two of Ray Otlan's books, and in both books, he uses Galadriel, the elf queen in Lord of the Rings, as an illustration. In Proverbs, wisdom is personified. Wisdom is pictured as a woman. Outland casts Galadriel in that role because, as he says, she is lovely, dignified, wise. In Death of Porn, Ortlund invites us to see every woman as Galadriel so that we would treat every woman as royalty. Then we have the Rings of Power, the Amazon series that centers on Galadriel. I wonder what Ortlund thinks of that show. And if anybody knows, can someone please tell me? Because uh, that is what amuses me when I read this book. He has invested so much love, um, so much... um, A meaning into Galadriel in his books that I'm not sure whether Oatland is celebrating or uh, disappointed with the new uh, series. I haven't watched it myself, and perhaps I will or will not, depending on what Oatland says. (laughs) Coming back to the book, his commentary on Proverbs, you might be wondering, why would I want to read a commentary on Proverbs? Why don't I just read the book? Proverbs, the book. It's so easy to understand Sure, maybe you need a commentary to understand the history or culture behind Genesis or Daniel or Isaiah, or maybe you need a commentary to get to grips with the theology in Romans. But Proverbs, you don't need a commentary for that. Just get a book and read it. And <laughs> as much as I understand where that, uh, that is coming from, uh, this is where this book, uh, Orton's uh, book, actually shines. You are right. The book of Proverbs is, by God's grace, incredibly accessible. It's so practical, so easy to read, that one almost makes the mistake of forgetting that it's actually part of the Bible. It's a part of the historical redemptive story in which Christ is the key. And so it's not so obvious um, for some of us to see how wisdom or how wisdom applied in the tongue, humility, family, emotions, friendship, money, life and death, how all these things can be traced to Jesus Christ. And I think this is where Ortlund's book really shines because every chapter just overflows with Jesus Christ. It overflows with what Christ has done on the cross. So um, you don't just learn how to live a good life, how to live a godly life, like an like a Israelite in Old Testament times. They had Proverbs and when they read it, they read it and understand it in a different way than we do on this side of the cross. When we read it, uh, we, we desire it because the Holy Spirit is in us and we have Christ who also enables us to live that good and godly life that pleases God the Father. And oh, what a contrast this book is to the last one I just reviewed. Even after that episode was published, it's done, it's over, it's, you just shelve it, it's finished, I was still second-guessing myself. Was I too harsh? That book, Living in Christ's Presence by Dallas Willard, is in essence his life's work. And I dare suggest that there was a fatal flaw in this man's uh, work, a man who is much loved and appreciated by many Christians. But I was not the only one who saw it, and even in that book, someone heard him define the gospel and asked, why does your definition of the gospel not have forgiveness of sin in it? And I don't want uh, dear listeners to misunderstand, Dallas Willard does not deny forgiveness of sin, he affirms it, he says it's central, it is essential, but my, my biff with him, my, my, my issue with him, is that the way he frames it, it seems to be something that is past. Uh, he says that the church has done a good job explaining uh, the forgiveness of sin, but not as good a job at explaining how to live in grace. And this is where he then talks about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, again, I must say, it's not something I disagree with. I think that uh, many of the spiritual disciplines are helpful for spiritual formation. My contention is how, he, where he puts the cross of Christ in, in our sanctification, in our, in our growth. I quote from um, Dallas Willard's book, the idea is not to grow in being forgiven for your sins. It's to grow in learning how to live by grace. The book I, uh, end quote. Willard puts a contrast where I would put a basis or grounding. So he would contrast the idea is not, but rather it is too. So so I struggle even after finishing that review. Uh, was, was I too insistent with the way he defines the gospel? Does it really matter if the cross of Christ, which is there, it is there in uh, his theology, but it's not, the, it's not placed on the exact spot that I think it should be. Then I read Ray Otland. <laughs> in chapter 14 of Ray Ortlund's book, um, he asks, I quote, Do you have a taste for sin, vulgarity, and folly? We all do. We all know what it is like to be stuck down there in that abyss of self Where we cannot even choose Christ, what do we do then? How can we choose him as the passion of our lives when we are passionate for lesser things, even wrong things? How can we jump out of a hole that has no bottom? There is only one way. We hear the gospel again. And that's, that's so true. I don't think we can ever hear enough of the gospel. I think that the problem is we don't hear enough of it and we don't know how the gospel works in our lives. And we then desire to go beyond it to look for something that actually might help when we already have it. Um, let me just read more of Otland here. Uh, I quote, For your sake, Jesus lived a perfect life. He chose wisdom every time and against intense seduction. Then Jesus died on the cross, a death he did not deserve, a sacrificial death for the stupidity of the rest of us. That is what the gospel announces. If you will receive this Jesus by mere faith, he will give you his perfect record as a gift. He wants your conscience to be happy and free again. Why? Because in the strength of being forgiven, you will change, end quote. Did you get that? In the strength of being forgiven, you will change. Now, if this book sounds like a sermon, it is. It is, it is. <laughs> so it's not written in a, a formal or academic or whatever form uh, some commentaries are. This book is very, uh, it preaches to you and it lands on Christ. The sermon lands on Christ every single time. And did you get that? The strength of being forgiven. In that strength, you will change. And that's where I enjoy reading uh, this book because it exalts Christ so much. And I've read so much from this chapter 14 that I'm just going to go ahead and read the final chapter. Uh, sorry, read the final paragraph. Okay, Read the final paragraph from this chapter. I quote, Knowing that Jesus covers your sin when you deserve to be exposed but He accepts you and rejoices over you. That stunning new awareness will lift your heart and take you further with Him than you have ever dreamed of going. His love creates your wise choice, moment by moment. Look up to Him by faith. See His love for you right now and receive it. Then, whatever might be your next step of obedience, that bold new step that maybe you have been putting off. You will take it. You will be able to choose and you will choose wisely to the praise of the glory of His grace. End quote. When you have these two books in front of you, the contrast between the two is stark. I don't know how Raymond Otland sees the ministry of Dallas Willard. For all I know, the two of them could have been best pals, speaking at each other's churches, recommending each other's books. But from where I'm sitting, in Willard, the cross of Christ is placed in the background. But in Auckland, the cross of Christ is front and center, which is where I think it deserves to be. So let's wrap up. First, uh This uh, commentary on Proverbs by uh, Ray Ortlund was good the first time I read it 10 years ago, and it was even better reading it the second time. And I'll let you know how it is after another 10 years. Second, we mess up in so many places. We obviously need wisdom. Not the world's wisdom, but God's wisdom. And Ortlund shows us where it's at. Third, Christians who know Proverbs, they know where it's at and they love it. They hear wisdom calling and they come running. Well, for you guys, what you get from this commentary is a clear line from Lady Wisdom to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not something that you may necessarily uh, get by reading or memorizing Proverbs uh, every day. So this is where uh, Ray Otland is, uh, is helpful for the, for the maturing Christian. So, uh, I heartily recommend this book, and I think that uh, uh, everybody can benefit from the wisdom that is offered here. This is a Reading and Reader's Review of Proverbs, Wisdom That Works by Raymond Ortlund. This volume is part of the Preaching the Word commentary series edited by R. Ken Hughes, 224 pages published by Crossway in March 2012. It is available for $24.99 via Amazon Kindle, but you can get it for free from Logos in October. So get it before the deal runs out. It's available for free only for this month and you would be a fool to miss this deal. So are you a fool or are you uh, a wise person? So just uh, grab the book and even if you don't read it now, it's okay because you can, it just stays in your account. It stays there. It will never disappear. You can always read it at another point, maybe after you have passed that folly, your most recent folly of yours and you deserve to read more about wisdom then. So anyways, uh, subscribe to Reading and Readers to hear reviews of free books, good books and often free and good books. Thank you for listening.